patiently prayed all those years waiting for you to come, waiting for you to arrive and, and save your people. And Lord, we rejoice with them that you did arrive and that you have saved your people and that you offer that salvation still here today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming. Thank you, Lord, for calling us. We pray now, Lord, that as we move into this time of Scripture, that that you would speak to us. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. You may be seated. Um, If you want to follow along, the Scripture that I'm going to be reading out of today comes from Luke chapter 1. Luke 1, and we're going to be reading verses 8 through 20. So Luke 1, 8 through 20. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as they lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Well, it was uh, July 7th, 2009, when I had two nephews, identical twin boys, that were born into this world. And I'm pretty sure that none of you really care about that. But in my family, it was a really big deal that this was going on because this was the first set of grandkids on both sides of the family. My sister and her brother-in-law, or excuse me, my sister and brother-in-law, her husband, uh, they had been waiting patiently for nine months for these two boys to be born. And when we heard the news first that she was pregnant, we were excited. Then we heard that It was a boy, and we thought, oh, that's wonderful. And then we heard it was two identical twin boys, and we thought that was amazing. And and so we waited patiently for nine months, and then we got the phone call on July 6th that she was going into labor. And it was the silliest decision that all of us made. We all went to the hospital. I don't mean a few of us went to the hospital. I mean, every family member went to the hospital. 
the waiting room was made for about 15 people, and we had about 20 in the waiting room waiting for these boys to be delivered. We were all incredibly excited that we were going to have nephews or grandsons born into this world, and we wanted to be the first to see them. Looking back on it, it was the, I didn't need to go up there. What were they going to do? Ask me to deliver the baby? You know, we just waited in the waiting room and then waited and waited, and then finally the next day they were born. But we were excited as a family because we had been waiting for nine months for these children to be born into our family so we could see them. Now imagine that kind of waiting period, but you've been waiting years and years or generations and generations like the Hebrew people had been waiting for their Messiah to be born. They had been waiting with with eagerness. They had been waiting with excitement. They had been waiting patiently for the news that the Messiah would be born into this world and that they would be delivered from slavery again, that they would have their land back. And so they waited patiently, and I find it interesting here in Luke chapter 2 that outside of the immediate family, the first people to learn about the birth of the Savior of the world are shepherds. Think about that for a moment. There... They're not related to this family. In fact, they're not even from the same town as this family. This family came from Nazareth. They're just back in Bethlehem for a census. But they are the first ones to hear the news that the Messiah has been born. And what's even more interesting about shepherds being the one that hear about this is that shepherds were some of the least uh, uh, loved people in the Jewish society. These shepherds, more likely than not, were called temple shepherds. So the reason they're out in the fields keeping watch over their flock at night is because they're watching those flocks year-round. They have the responsibility of making sure that there are enough sheep for the Jewish temple to continue its sacrifices for the people. And so these shepherds were constantly around sheep all day, every day, year-round. Here's the catch. Because they were around sheep all day, every day, year-round, they weren't allowed to go to the temple. But because they were around sheep all day, every day, year-round, the temple could keep running and people could keep sacrificing to God and and, and praising God. Do, Do you see the problem there? For shepherds, If it wasn't for them, the temple wouldn't have any sheep and they wouldn't be able to to praise God. They wouldn't be able to offer sacrifices. And yet, because they were the ones doing this, they oftentimes weren't allowed in the temple. They would have had to go go through these ceremonial washings. They would have had to uh, go through all of these procedures to be considered clean enough to go into the temple. And by the end of all of that, most shepherds said, That's too much work. If I do that, I'm going to leave my sheep out and I'm not going to be able to take care of them and then the temple won't have any sheep. So for the shepherds being the first one to hear about the news of God, it seems sort of odd. And and when you look back to that day, you would actually think the people that would hear about this news of the Messiah would be the religious leaders, right? They're the ones that are keeping the law. They're the ones that are making sure the temple is still running. They're the ones that are sending out teachers to the people so that everybody can read the law, they can read the scriptures together. 
You would think they would be the first ones to know, but no, it was these shepherds that weren't allowed in the temple. They were the ones that the angel came to visit. And how this happened is, uh, this part of the story always makes me laugh because what they're doing, how this happens is, they're out in their field, they're doing their temple duty by watching the sheep, and then out of nowhere, an angel appears. I've hesitated telling you this because I don't want you to take advantage of it. I scare really easy. Some of you have already figured that out because you've come into the church when I've been there and I've been minding my own business and I turn around and you're just standing there waiting for me to get out of the way. But I scare really easy. I found this out numerous times because when I'm alone or when I think I'm alone, my mind is just wandering. I'm thinking of all sorts of stuff. If you ever see me wandering alone and you think I look like a crazy person, that's just me talking to myself. I'm not crazy. But oftentimes what happens is, is I'll be zoning out and I'll be thinking of something and then I'll turn around and there's a person standing there and I'll usually have a little bit of a heart attack, bend over, catch my breath, and then everything's fine. So imagine the shepherds, they're out doing their duties as shepherds. They're watching their flocks and then all of a sudden out of nowhere an angel appears. So that's scary enough. Somebody just appears out of nowhere. But here's the actual fearful part. This angel comes with the presence of God. This angel doesn't just show up, but when he shows up, the presence of God is made known to the shepherds. They can sense that God is with the angels. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, it's been taught in the Old Testament that if you see God face to face, you could die. And so the shepherds aren't even allowed in the temple because they're unclean and filthy. They haven't gone through ceremonial washings. And then this angel comes out of nowhere and he comes with the presence of God. He doesn't come with a building. He doesn't come with, with a few rules and regulations that they got to go through. God himself, his presence is right there with the shepherds and they begin to fear that they may die because they're not ceremonially clean. And on top of that, they can't even see the presence of God. And so when the angel arrives with the presence of God, the, the shepherds are frightened to the point that the angel has to say, do not be afraid. Which, by the way, I find it interesting. Every time an angel shows up, the first thing he says is, calm down. Don't be afraid. I'm not here to kill you. Which I don't think would lighten up my mood. But anyway... The angel says to them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy. So this word, good news, uh, it's where we get our word gospel, and what it means is it's good news that comes from God. And you'll see this word throughout all of the New Testament. It's either uh, in, in the word evangelize or evangelism, it's in the word good news, and it's also in the word gospel and preach. So as you see throughout the whole New Testament, this same word is being used over and over and the angel is the first one that comes to deliver it. He says to the shepherds, I bring you news from God that you need to hear. Tonight, a Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. And so we've got three titles there just in that opening sentence about who has been born into this world. He says a Savior has been born. So the shepherds, being Hebrew, they're, 
their ears would have perked up to that, a savior. Because this word savior is used all throughout the Old Testament to describe God himself. And so when the angel says, a savior has been born, the shepherds hear that and they go, wait a second, you mean the same savior that rescued our people from the land of Egypt? Yeah, that savior. Wait, wait a second, a savior has been born, the same savior that rescued us from exile in Babylon and brought us back to our land? Yeah, that Savior. Okay, keep talking. And the angel says, well, his name is Christ the Lord. Whoa, whoa, wait a second. Christ? You, you mean the Messiah? The, the anointed one? The, the one that God promised would come and rescue us again? That would come and, and lead us into freedom? So, so the Savior from heaven... The Messiah, the chosen one from heaven, he's been born tonight? Yeah, yeah, but that's not all. His name is Lord. Now the shepherds are probably, you know, ecstatic at this point. Lord, you mean the title that we exclusively give God in heaven? You mean Lord, instead of saying his name, this title of Lord, that he is in charge, he is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God of the universe? Yeah, that's the one. A Savior, a Messiah, the Lord has been born tonight. And then the angel gives directions on how they can find this child. And he says, you'll find him lying in a manger wrapped in clothes. And so basically what the angel says is, if you go to Bethlehem, you will meet this child and you will know that it's the Lord. When you go to Bethlehem, you will meet this child and you, you'll, you'll know. You'll just know. Because what kind of direction is wrapped in clothes? Have you ever described your baby that way? Oh, congrats on the new birth. Uh, what does he look like? Well, he's wrapped in clothes. Oh, well, can we come see him? Yeah, he's at the hospital. Room number? Are there any other directions? Which hospital is he at? You know, the shepherds don't ask these questions and, and the angel doesn't give it. He just says he's in a manger. And he's wrapped in clothes. When you go to find him, you'll know when you get to him. And sure enough, the shepherds say to one another, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, excuse me. Uh, After these directions as to to how they can find the child, the the, uh, choir from heaven comes out and they begin to sing God's praises. So not only does this angel come with the presence of God, but now heaven itself is opened up and heaven itself begins to sing God's praises because of this child being born in Bethlehem. And what they say is, glory to God, peace on earth. They begin to sing praises to God for sending his people a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. And there's a pronouncement of peace that this child is coming into the world to bring peace to earth. Well, the angels go back up into heaven, and of course the shepherds look at one another and they say, we should go visit this child, shouldn't we? Do you think the angel wanted us to go see him? We haven't really been invited by the family, but maybe if we tell them that an angel visited, they'll let us in the room. So they go to Bethlehem, and sure enough, they find the baby And they begin to tell Mary and Joseph and the family that's there, they begin to relay to them what happened. 
And they tell about how this angel appeared out of nowhere and how they're shepherds and, and they're usually not allowed in the temple. They're not usually allowed in the presence of God. But God decided to tell them about this birth. And then they tell Mary and Joseph, do you know what kind of child you have here? You have Christ the Lord. You have the Savior. So the shepherds are coming in to Mary and Joseph's room and telling them what kind of child they have. And, and it says that everybody there was just in awe. And, and Mary heard these words and, and she began to meditate on them. She, she let them sink into her soul. And they praised God. And then when the shepherds left, they went back and began praising God. What this story tells us is, is a few points. One of them is that the birth announcement to the shepherds, especially the shepherds being the first ones to hear about the birth of Jesus, serves as a reminder to us that the announcement of God coming in the flesh isn't to be withheld from anyone, especially those that have been left out of the presence of God for whatever reason. This good news is actually meant for people that don't think they deserve good news. It, it wasn't given to people that, that were in the presence of God and, and doing all the right things. It was given to the shepherds who weren't even allowed in the temple. It was given to people that had just probably gotten to the point in their life where they decided, you know what, I'm at least taking care of sheep and at least other people get to praise God. I may never get to do that, but that's okay. God purposefully sought them out to give them the first piece of good news, which means in our ministry as a church, when we sit back and say, well, who do we need to share the good news with? We actually are called to seek out those who, for whatever reason, have felt like they're away from or have been left out of the presence of God. They're the ones that we need to go to and say, we've got good news for you. Christ has been born on your behalf. The other point that, that this scripture reminds us of is that God himself is approachable. So think about this for a moment. The shepherds see the angel, the angel brings the presence of God, and they're afraid that they may die. Okay? The presence of God is with the angel, and they're afraid that they can't approach God because they may die. On top of it, they're not allowed into the temple where they've been told that is where the presence of God is, that is where you make sacrifices. And yet, they approach Jesus, who is God, without fear of death. The scripture is a reminder to us that no matter what you have gone through or whatever you're going through now, God is actually approachable. We, we get this idea that, that if we sin too much, we can't go back to God because he's going to be upset. Now, sin does upset God. We need to know that. 
But there's never a point that we get to where we then say, well, God must never want to see me because I've sinned too much. God's presence, I I won't be able to handle God's presence. I can't approach him because of the amount of sin in my life. If that were the case, no one would know God. If that were the case, no one would be a Christian. And what these shepherds uh, in this story have demonstrated to us is that, sure, they could be afraid of the presence of God that comes with an angel, but when they meet God himself, Jesus Christ, born in a manger, they're able to approach him without fear because he comes to save the world. We can approach God through the presence of Jesus. He is God, and he calls us into God's presence. And then finally, and, I, and I'm going to end on this point here, true evangelism, remember that word, preaching the good news or sharing the good news of God, true evangelism springs from an urge in the heart to see what God is already doing. True evangelism does not need to be commanded to us. We don't need to be told to go and share the good news. It's that we've heard the good news and we want to go see it. We want to go tell others. Notice when the angel gives uh, this calling to the disciples, the angel tells them about the birth of Jesus. The angel tells them about where they can find Jesus and nowhere in that telling does the angel then say, okay, now drop what you're doing and go see Jesus. Nowhere in that command does the angel say, okay, drop what you're doing, go see him, and then tell the whole family about what you just saw. There's no command to the shepherds to go and tell others. Instead, they're told the good news, and when it's all done, they say, hey, we got to go see this. The angel didn't need to say anything. In fact, what has been said about Christianity is that Christianity doesn't need the Great Commission, which is found at the end of the book of Matthew before Jesus ascends into heaven. He says, go into all the world and and teach and baptize what I've taught you. Okay? It's been said about Christianity. We don't need that command from Jesus. Because if he's done it in our heart, we want to do that for others. We want to share it with others. And the the shepherds do just that. They go and they see Jesus and they begin to tell the, the family that are by Jesus what went on. And then as they head back to their post for shepherding, they're praising God and presumably telling others what happened. How could you keep that to yourself? How could you not want to tell other people what's going on, that the Savior has been born, that God is approachable, that God has made a plan and has enacted that plan to save us? True evangelism comes from an inward desire to share with other people what God has done for us. It was July 22nd, 2013, when the world witnessed the birth of Prince George. Now, I know we're American, and we pretend we don't care about the royal family over in England, but this was a big affair. I don't know if you remember it, but in 2013, Prince George was born uh, to Prince William and, and his wife, Kate, 
and news spread throughout the world pretty quickly that they had a son uh, and Prince George is said to be fourth in line for the throne and they suspect one day he will actually sit on the throne. And so all of England was just ecstatic that they had a new prince that was born in their country. And news outlets began to report about this birth. But interestingly, there was actually a specific birth announcement that stood out. Even though we have Twitter and Facebook and, and uh, news outlets throughout the world, it was Tony Appleton that made the most interesting birth announcement. Tony Appleton uh, walked up to, to the hospital that Prince George was born in, and even though there was armed security, uh, he was able to walk up, walk onto the steps of the hospital, and with news cameras all on him, he was in this town crier regalia with the big hat and, and the, I, I don't know what the stuff was, but it looked goofy to me. And he stood on the steps and he pulled out a scroll and he announced in proper English the birth of Prince George. The day, the time, his, his exact title in the family, and he announced it for the whole world to see. And so impressed was everybody that news outlets here in America actually said that he was the official, that this was the official announcement given by the family. Only here's the interesting part of Tony Appleton. Nobody invited him to make that announcement. Tony Appleton uh, is, is what he calls himself a royalist. He just loves the royal family. He was excited that Prince George was born into the world, and he is an official toastmaster, so he knows how to give proper announcements. And so when he heard that Prince George was born, he was so excited he got out his Toastmaster regalia, walked up to the hospital, and even he said he was surprised that the guards let him in. He said he just showed up. He told him, I'm here to announce the official birth of Prince George. And the guards said, yeah, that checks out. Come on up. And he got up on the steps, pulled out the scroll, and gave the official announcement. It wasn't until the next day that, that the news media began to find out that he wasn't invited. But now, because of his excitement, because he did that, he now is the official Toastmaster and the official town crier of the royal family. You and I should probably be the last people to tell others about Jesus. Simply because we are sinners like everybody else in the world. But God has saved us. God has done great things in our life. He has forgiven our sins. He has called us into an everlasting life with him. And that excitement should well up so deep inside of us that whether people ask for our opinion or not, we begin to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. We are called in this world to be official town criers, whether they've asked us to or not. We are called to be in this world those that preach the good news, just like the angel did to the shepherds, just like the shepherds did to the family. We are called to evangelize. We are called to share what God has done in our lives because of what he's done for us. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for 
giving us this good news and working this good news in our hearts. Thank you for the salvation you give, the forgiveness of our sins, this eternal life with you. Thank you, God, for being approachable. Lord, being able to walk into your presence and to see you and to speak with you and to hear from you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this call. We pray, Lord, as we leave this place that that calling would well up so deep inside of us that we would just want to go and tell others about what you have done so that they can see the good news that we have seen.